Hi, I'm Chance. And I'm Sarah Catherine. And this is Conservation Connection. We run a wildlife education nonprofit focused on connecting students to their environment. Each week here on Conservation Connection, we do just that by introducing you to the groundbreaking science and conservation work that's happening every day around the country. We talk to professionals in the world of conservation science and wildlife management and ask them about their career, their current projects, their wild and crazy stories from the field, and everything in between. Join us each week to discover just how these dedicated people are working to protect our planet. Alrighty guys, welcome to another episode of Conservation Connection. Very excited. Today we are in our hometown of Columbus, Georgia. Uh, we are sitting in the Spencer House and the heart of the Chattahoochee River Conservancy. And we are sitting down today with Natalie Downey, who is the Interim Executive Director of the Chattahoochee River Conservancy. Welcome to the show. Yes, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to chat with y'all today, so I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, we, we are really excited about this. We have been in Columbus, like I was telling you, for almost three years now. And um, CRC is one of the coolest conservation environmental groups here in town. And so uh, I've been wanting to do this interview for quite a while. Yeah, absolutely. So this will kind of be our first show in a little bit of a different format. So what we wanted to specifically kind of dive in to talk to you about today was the spider lily conservation that y'all do here on the Chattahoochee locally. And we can just get started with kind of like, how did that start as a project that the Conservancy wanted to focus on? Yeah, so... It, this happened before I came um, on with the CRC, so I know a little bit about the history of the project, though. Uh, originally, the Chattahoochee River Conservancy was home to one of the largest um, populations of shoal spider lilies, and the man-made dams um, significantly impacted that population to the point that we almost completely lost that population. So when those man-made dams were removed, some of the ones that had such a significant impact on the shoal lilies, the CRC recognized the opportunity to begin a restoration project to try to bring back, you know, such an important native plant on our river. That way, we began the project around 2015, and the, the shoal lilies, because they require such a specific habitat, had suffered as I said, from the man-made dams. And so when those dams were removed and the river was restored to a more natural flow, we recognized that there was a great potential for the shoal lilies to once again thrive on the river. So we began that project around 2015. So as we're sitting here talking about these shoal lilies um, in your office, you have these two beautiful framed prints of shoal lilies that are, I guess, were taken right here in Columbus, right? Yes, they were. Since this is a, a podcast and you can't see them as we're talking, just to describe the flowers, um, they rise up on these big tall stalks and the flowers are massive white blooms. Uh, and they've got these all of these like kind of thread like white thread like pieces that are coming off of them. And they're really they're a beautiful flower and they're very iconic in terms of they're not found all over the United States. Right. They're they're very much a local flower to the southeastern U.S. 
That's right. The The one thing that's really interesting about the shoal lilies, and they're technically called the shoal spider lily, so we may interchange shoal lily and spider lily. We're, we're talking about the same thing, though. Uh, and one thing that is really specifically interesting about it is that it's an incredibly rare species. It's it's only found in the southeastern United States. It is endemic to the Chattahoochee River, and it's also found in Alabama, South Carolina, um, and of course, Georgia. Some of the rivers that it's found on are the Flint River, the Cahaba River, the Savannah River, the Catawba River, and then of course, the Chattahoochee River. So it's a very rare species, and one that people often come from far away to be able to have the opportunity to see in person. Yeah. They're also just kind of weird plants. They have this really specific ecology about them where they are, they're neither fully land plants. They're not fully water plants. They exist kind of somewhere in between. They, they grow where their, their bulb, their roots are submerged, right? Yes. And then they shoot stalks up above the surface of the water. Is that right? That's right. So they really like to grow in a very specific habitat of kind of a rocky or shoaly um, river habitat. So when we plant them, we often plant them in the rocks that are slightly submerged underneath the water. And they like moving water as well. So they like to be in creeks or areas of the river that are, have shallow shoals with some moving water. So they're a little bit divas about where they grow really well, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. And, and that's part of the reason I think that they thrive in some areas and then in some areas like when we had the dams and the river wasn't flowing in its natural state, they just couldn't survive in that type of a habitat and probably also why they're, you know, in specific areas and not others. So having lived here for almost three years for myself and Chance. Um, we know a little bit about the history of the Chattahoochee and in Columbus and the dam removal that has happened here, but we do still have one very large hydroelectric dam. So why has the removal of the other like smaller dams throughout the river made a difference where now these shoal spider lilies can thrive again, but still having that dam doesn't seem to have as big of an effect, a negative effect, I guess. So it's kind of enabled us to have the best of both worlds. There's definitely benefit to the hydroelectric dams, and we recognize that. But the removal of the specific dams on the Chattahoochee River um, enabled us to have about a two and a half mile stretch of water that was flowing with the right depth and everything to enable the shoalies to thrive. So we did restore in within that two and a half mile area of the Chattahoochee River while still having the existing dam that serves our city in many ways. Um, we're, we do see a fluctuation of the water flow because of that dam, but so far it doesn't seem to have negatively impacted the shoal lilies. And so far when we've gone out and assessed the success of our program, we've been very happy with what we've seen and they really seem to be thriving where we've planted them. Tell me a little bit about the change in the shoal spider lilies population from before the project and after you guys started these planting projects. I can't say specifically how many we had thriving on our river before the project since I wasn't around at that point to have counted. I don't believe we were really seeing many 
at all, while we once had one of the largest populations in the world on the Chattahoochee River. Um, so I, I can't attest to how many we lost and how small the population had become, but I know that it was almost completely eradicated. I know that it was almost completely wiped out and that where we once saw just tons and tons of thriving Shololis, they were hardly existing on the Chattahoochee River. And every spring we go out and count how many, however many we can find so we can assess the, the success of our project and how are they self-populating and spreading. And we were able to count 1,000 this past, around 1,000 this past um, spring. That's In fantastic. 2023, we were really excited with those results. And that's just, you know, kind of a testament to the success of the program where they there were such a few scant amounts on the river in this area now we're seeing you know over a thousand that's incredible yeah do y'all i imagine i don't know and it may not be like this but i imagine for me like if i was out there planting all of these and like this is one of my main projects we do get pretty significant flooding here mm -hmm. on the river from time to time and like I mean, the water will go so far up that it just like covers the entire river walk. So obviously all of the islands where these lilies are planted are just like completely underwater. Do you ever like when that happens, are you ever like, oh, my gosh, yeah. are we going to lose all of our spider lilies? Like what's going to happen? Like, do you go check on them after or are you just like, oh, it is what it is? Yeah, so we've definitely invested a lot in this project as far as time goes. I I now have spent three summers on the river planting lilies, and then we've invested a lot financially in this program as well. So we do tend to get a little nervous during flood stage, but it's a naturally occurring thing on the Chattahoochee River. And the only time I think that we get really nervous about flooding is if we just planted we've had that happen before where we just planted and then we have tons of rainfall and the river rises and we we did did worry a good bit about the shoal lilies at that time but if the planting you know right now we've got a really high level of of water flow in the river and i'm not too worried about that because the last planting we did was july i believe so these these plants have had time to kind of establish themselves and so generally we do lose some and that's a natural thing and we expect that and so we take account for that whenever we plant in the numbers that we plan to plant but we've seen the lilies really do well even in spite of the flooding so we've been able to kind of just trust that they're going to be okay yeah 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 and if they do happen to get like unplanted and float on down the river, is there a possibility that they can kind of get replanted somewhere yeah. or are they just kind of dead in the water? No, that's that's a possibility. And we know that because we have found lilies in places we did not plant them. And so to us, that seems to indicate that that probably is what happened. They probably did kind of get uprooted during flooding flow downstream and then reestablish somewhere further south and so that does seem to be what happens which sometimes is, it's yeah. just not that surprising to me because it's like i mean this is a uh an ecosystem that this species has been in for a very long time these mm -hmm. are not the first floods that the species has had to deal with so the fact that it's not completely destroying the population is is a, you know, a good indication that this is a good habitat for this species. 
Yeah, definitely. It's kind of a naturally occurring event for them. And and being a water species, they seem to do okay, even with the fluctuation of the water levels. So I, w- I would love to talk a little bit about people like us. We, you know, there's a lot of value in a species because it exists. It has this sort of intrinsic value. It's really cool by itself. You know, it, it blooms. It's very pretty. Um, but what are some of the other benefits or you know, relationships that this species has with other species in the river system or with the river system itself? Like, how does it fit into the bigger picture and why is it so valuable? There's definitely a lot of reasons why the Shololi is valuable and important on our river. Um, for one thing, it's it's natural to our river. It's a native species. And so that indicates that it's meant to be there, that it has a role to play, and that losing it could cause a chain reaction in the ecosystem, you know, to negatively potentially impact the ecosystem. It being there naturally just is proof to me that it's supposed to be there, but it definitely has some benefits. It, first of all, helps to purify the water. Um, It also helps to slow erosion and aid in channeling the water flow of the river. And then it also prote- provides um, habitat for young fish and shellfish. And on top of that, it's just a very beautiful thing to see when it blooms. It's just a sight that people come from all over just to be able to, to witness in person. Yeah. it As you're talking about some of the benefits of it, it reminds me a lot of um, mangroves in coastal locations where, you know, this plant that grows kind of in the water, but out, you know, grows up out of the water and, and, Really what it does is it just stabilizes the whole system in the same way that like if you've got just bare dirt on the ground and no plants on it and the first time it rains, you're going to get these big erosion channels. If you've got plants there, they both slow down the water and hold the soil in place. So it, it mitigates a lot of those erosion issues. So it makes a lot of sense to me that a plant that is growing in these places that occasionally flood really hard, but are otherwise like moving water one of their biggest roles is going to be preventing it from eroding away and channelizing and turning into this swiftly flowing river that nothing can get a hold in or or grow it. Yeah, right. And definitely the ideal population of shololis is not just one or two, but if you see it on rivers or um, in creeks where it is naturally growing, there's just huge clumps of shololis. So you can really see how it would help with erosion issues and help to channel water flow as well. Yeah, absolutely. So being called the Chattahoochee River Conservancy, obviously the Chattahoochee is a very large, long river. Do y'all only work here in Columbus or do you work along the Chattahoochee and other spots as well? So we say that our service area is from LaGrange or West Point Lake down to Eufaula. We do primarily work from the Chattahoochee River in the Columbus area and the lakes that surround the Columbus area down through Eufaula. So we don't go north of the Columbus area very often. And as far as the spider lilies go, are y'all only planting those here? I know that y'all plant them outside of like here in Columbus. If you're not local, we have like our wave shaper area on the river where like all the kayakers like hang out and play and uh, do tricks. And like that's where the all the rafting happens. Is that the main place that y'all plant or are you planting in other locations as well? 
So far, we've mainly planted on the Chattahoochee River, the Whitewater Stretch. So that's from the Put-In, which is up at the North Highlands Dam. We actually do a lot of the planting in that area. There are kind of islands of sorts in the middle of the river and so they have the rocky habitat that we need to plant the lilies in and so they're kind of towards the middle of the river and that's where we plant a lot if you know where the spillway is or the north highlands dam we have planted a lot in the spillway area which these are just some notable areas for people who kayak or raft the river and then all the way down to the takeout which is a little past the phoenix city amphitheater is where we would generally stop and it's about a two and a half mile stretch and we plant all along there we just the way that we plant is we go out in rafts and so we'll just stop along that route anywhere that we see habitat that looks ideal doesn't that sound like a fun day like hey let's just <laughs> do this whitewater stretch the the longest urban whitewater stretch in the world right uh, with guides that know what they're doing and obviously care about the river because they're volunteering their time and their rafts to go out and plant this endemic species like that sounds like a good time to me it is it's a (laughs) lot of fun Um, it does require us to be whitewater rafting to be able to access the places where we plant so we do have to have raft guides and we have had whitewater express help us out with raft guides and rafts and equipment and things like that Um, So big thank you to Whitewater Express. And it is a lot of fun. We have a lot of volunteers who show a lot of interest in joining us for this, you know, project and the planting trips for that reason. But also it's very rewarding to plant the shoal lilies and then to see the results of your work a year or two later. And to know that I did that, I had a part in that. It's very rewarding. Yeah. Which brings me to a really interesting kind of piece that that fits in with this and For me, one of the reasons that we moved to Columbus is because it's a city that is built around this river and it's the, the people that live here, their lives are so directly tied to the river, even if they don't realize it. I mean, it's where all of our municipal water comes from is sourced from the Chattahoochee river. It's, you know, it's the center of recreation. The reason that we are a a population center here is because we're at the fall line, the transition between the basically the foothills of the mountains, the Piedmont and the coastal plains. So there's all of this energy in the water as it's dropping down um, across this, you know, 10 mile stretch where it, where it really drops 200 feet in elevation, something along that lines. Um, and that allowed people to build mills here, right? They used the, the power of the water to power machinery. And, and this was a big center of textile production and grist mills and stuff like that. And, the river is just so directly tied to the lives of the people here. And I love to hear, hear stories like the shoal lily planting where people turn up to help protect the river and not only protect it, but to restore it back to a state that we're living more harmoniously with the river than we were previously. And I, I just, I think it's really cool that CRC, Chattahoochee River Conservancy, provides that opportunity for people to interface with the river because I think that's missing from a lot of people's lives and uh, being kind of the vehicle for that interface is a really cool thing that you guys do. Yeah, we have a big passion for connecting people with the river. It's kind of occurred to me and I've heard other people kind of say essentially the same thing that people, first of all, we have a problem with disconnect and I think disconnect is kind of the source of a lot of the problems that we have specifically in relation to nature and then also to each other. Um, It's hard to care about a place you have never experienced. 
for yourself. And it's hard to care about a place you've um, only maybe driven past. It's hard to want to invest your time and your energy in protecting that place. The places that we really want to protect are probably places we have very fond memories of. Maybe places we grew up on, maybe places that are very important to us for personal reasons. And if anyone has a place like that, they're going to probably be pretty passionate about wanting to protect that natural space. And so we realized that in order to inspire people in the community to want to help us protect the river, we have to give them opportunities to first connect with the river and to see what we're talking about when we say how beautiful it is and how valuable a resource it is. And so it's been very important to us to provide those opportunities to get the, the people in the community out to be able to experience the river for themselves and see why this is such a privilege for us to be able to live here, but it's also so important and such a responsibility for us to protect the river. A yeah. lot of the problems that we see that we face daily are man-made problems, and they're going to require a man-made solution. We have the responsibility to undo some of the mistakes that we've made when maybe we didn't know better, and now we do, and now it's our responsibility to do something about it. And it's the time to take action. Yeah. I really like that idea of rather than using guilt or shaming to motivate people to take action to protect things that need protecting, that instead you guys try to rely on relationship, building a relationship with a river, which is inherently going to get people to care about it and protect it because they care about it and they have that relationship that they've built with you or facilitated by you guys. Um, I think that that's, that's really awesome. You mentioned um, some of the man-made, a lot of the problems that we face with the river are man-made and require man-made solutions. So um, we've spent a lot of time talking specifically about this shoal spider lily um, and this kind of awesome, hopeful project that you guys are doing with seeing lots of success. What are some of the other issues that we're dealing with in the Chattahoochee River in this area? And what are some of the ways that you guys are working to solve those problems? A lot of the issues that we see in this area are related to pollution. Um, a lot of the pollution that we see is, is trash pollution from litter that if it blows out of car windows along the side of the road, it's going to end up in a ditch. It's going to end up in a, a stream, which will lead to a creek. It's going to eventually become a part of the watershed. And once it becomes a part of the watershed, it can be end up being a permanent part of the watershed. And it can be very difficult at that point to remove the litter pollution from the watershed. So a lot of the problems that we encounter are just trying to change people's mindsets, trying to make people aware of how not being responsible with your trash affects and sometimes permanently affects this natural resource that we rely on every day for our daily lives. And so do a lot of um, other creatures that rely on the river as well. We believe that a healthy river and a healthy community go hand in hand. And you cannot have one without the other. If we have a, a sick river, our community is going to suffer. And so a lot of our, our, you know, boots in the mud, practical work is just trash cleanups. 
removing doing the best we can to remove that trash before it becomes a part of the watershed and then also educational outreach to hopefully inspire especially the next generation to see that they can make choices every day simple choices that will have a lasting impact and sometimes it's as easy as just choosing to switch out a um, single-use container for one that can be reused multiple times or for years that can make a significant impact if we all would, you know, just make that choice. Yeah, it's it's funny because this ties so directly with the last thing that we were just talking about, which is disconnect mm-hmm. as the source of a lot of the issues, right? I think that people disconnect are disconnected from the fact that if I'm not responsible with my trash that I create, it ends up in the river. Nobody likes going to the river and seeing trash floating by. That's always like an upsetting or or gross experience. It doesn't invite you to want to be in that water. It doesn't invite you to have confidence in the water that you're drinking out of your tap. But I don't think people connect that experience of seeing trash in the river with the experience of, oh, I had a a bottle in the back of my truck bed that blew out because I forgot about it. You know, that disconnect is really at the root of what's happening here. That's right. I think it's really a disconnect um, as well as in some cases not caring, sadly. And I think that kind of goes back to not having the connection with the river, not having the personal experiences on it to care what's going to happen to it in the future. And then sometimes it's a lack of understanding or awareness of how our actions affect and impact the planet. And so we want to help raise that awareness for those who maybe no one has shared these facts with them or has they have not taken the time to educate themselves we want to offer solutions for people to make changes in their daily habits that can affect and impact the river and the planet but it it definitely does seem to come from a disconnect and uh, we hope to change that we hope to see that progressively change for the better we have to we have to because we're going to be in trouble if we don't Yeah. I do want to ask before we wrap up, since you just kind of mentioned this is like, it really is so important to have this connection with the things you care about. Because like you said, if you don't know about it, you can't care about it. So what was it that first got you interested in protecting the river? And like, what was kind of your path that led you to being part of the Chattahoochee River Conservancy? I have always loved water. I've always loved being near water and in water. And so I do have that natural draw to water. When I got involved with the river specifically here was probably about five years ago. I took a rafting trip, had a lot of fun, swam the river unintentionally during my (laughs) rafting trip. It was a little, little scary, but it was a lot of fun. And It was such a beautiful summer evening. The water was warm and it was just such a, it felt like such a privilege to be able in my own town to go out and have such a thrilling experience on the river. From there, I began visiting the river more frequently. It is very personal to me now because I've raised my kids for the past several years, every summer going down to the river and swimming and uh, stand up paddle boarding, rafting, kayaking. So for me, it is personal because I get in that water with myself and my kids and my family and, and do want to know that I can have the confidence that it's clean and that we're safe. 
So, you know, it just kind of stemmed from a natural love for water to being really intrigued by this resource that we have right here in our own town. Growing up in South Carolina, I was not near a source of water. And so we had to travel a bit to be able to get into the water and enjoy a natural watershed of any type. And so here, I think we are so lucky to have it right in our own backyards. And then I became involved in some different outdoor groups of people uh, for enjoying the river and for also hiking and things like that. And that led to some connections with people who were already working for the River Conservancy. And I was then um, invited to also work for the River Conservancy eventually. Um, I have a background in writing, and so I was able to bring that background here and do some of the writing for social media and uh, news reports and things like that that we do here. So that's kind of how I ended up becoming a part of the CRC. Awesome. I would love, as somebody who has had so much opportunity to experience some of the restoration work that you guys do and just being on the water so much, can you like paint me a picture with words of what the experience is of standing on one of these these rocky islands in the calmer parts of the Chattahoochee during a planting session? And like, what do you see? What do you feel? What do you smell while you're doing this kind of planting work? So when we are in the middle of a summer day of planting shoal lilies on the river, I think one of the main things for me that I feel is just calm. So you know, the city is all around us, but it's like this little haven in the middle of the city. It's the sun, you know, beating down on the rocks that we're standing on. Um, there's a lot of water willow just kind of gently swaying in the water and in the breeze. You know, we'll see blue heron. That's always just an amazing sight to see. We'll see osprey. We'll see a lot of turtles, fish. We've seen some really beautiful fish. We saw a really cool gar one day. And so it's just, it's like a, a very calm, peaceful haven in the middle of the city. It's kind of like a little vacation without having to leave home. You, uh, we have special little tools that we use to kind of dig down into the rocky soil to be able to access, you know, the depth that we need for planting. So we'll, we'll be smelling the soil, you know, we'll be feeling all of the rocks and things around us as we plant the little bulb of the shoal lily down in there and you know just feeling the warmth of the sun hearing the water also just all around you and a lot of times you know if we get hot we can just get in the water and take a little dip so that's really fun but it's just very calm it, it really does feel almost like a nice escape and so i think that the fact that we have that right here in our city is such a privilege and if, if no one's ever been out you know to just kind of spend a summer day just enjoying that, I would highly encourage them to find a way if they can to get out and enjoy that because it is very eye-opening and you fully begin to realize what a resource we have and how important it is that we protect it so yeah. that we can continue to enjoy it. I don't know if y'all know this, but when I moved here about 20 years ago, the thing everyone told me was, you do not get in that river. You do not get in that water. It's gross. And the fact that 20 years later, we have world kayak championships taking place here, the fact that we have water that is safe to get in and, and swim in, the fact that I feel confident taking my children out to swim in the river and leading paddleboard groups um, 
to do paddleboarding classes, I think is a major testament to the work that we've done and the work that other organizations like ours have done. I think that there are people in this community that care and that want to see this river healthy and thriving because a healthy and thriving river means a healthy and thriving community. It benefits us and we can then turn around and help to benefit the river. You know, it can be a symbiotic relationship of caring. Yeah. And so it's definitely a privilege to live here. You gave me chills with that. I, I don't know if you <laughs> saw me go, I, I probably caught it on the mics, but uh, that was the fact that um, this river has transformed in 20 years of, you know, it's not, you don't get in that river to, like you said, hosting international world kayaking championships here, which are amazing to, to witness is so cool. Um, and I think we've, we've spent a lot of time, you know, this is our hometown now. This is our hometown now. This is where we, Sarah Catherine and I personally get to be outside a lot. And so we've spent a lot of time focusing on this very local environment for us. And I know that a lot of people that listen to the show are not local. And I think it's just important to tie in the fact that <clears throat> this is a, an example story of what is happening all across the country and across the world where it's, there's communities that care. There's groups that are working hard and have been working for years to improve the environment. And it, this isn't just happening on the Chattahoochee and Columbus. Uh, wherever you are, there's opportunities to do this work, to get out and build a relationship with whatever natural resources you have around you. We have a river. You might have forests or mountains or, you know, there's, it's just such a varied environment out there. And um, just because we're talking about this one city doesn't mean that you can't use this as a uh, an inspiration to find this kind of work wherever you are. If people wanted to get involved with the Chattahoochee River Conservancy, where could they go to do that? And maybe if they're local or if they want to travel, get involved in one of the plantings that I guess you said y'all plant in July? Mm -hmm. Okay. We plant in the summer months. So cool. June through so August typically. Yeah, it's coming up. We have a website. It's chatriver.org. That's chat with two T's. So we have a volunteer list on there where people can sign up to be volunteers and they'll receive communication anytime that we have need for volunteers. So if anyone's interested, they can definitely check us out there. We also have social media. We have Instagram and Facebook at Chattahoochee River Conservancy. So we often will make posts whenever we're in need of volunteers that way as well. Awesome. Well, this has really been a delight to sit and talk about the river and your work. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of Conservation Connection. If you enjoyed our podcast, go ahead and subscribe to make sure you catch every episode that we post. If you've got a minute to spare, leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts helps other conservation-minded people find the show. We'd really appreciate it. A big thanks to everyone working to protect our planet, and a big thanks to you for listening. See you next time.